Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Matthew Gavidia, editor of the American Journal of Managed Care. AGMC.com recently launched a resource center, the Center for Health Equity and Access, dedicated to promoting education, advocacy, and best practices for improving health outcomes and reducing health disparities. On this episode of Managed Carecast, we feature several leaders in diversity, equity, and inclusion, advancing health equity in their respective organizations' policy and practice initiatives. CVS Health recently launched the Community Equity Alliance that will be partnering with academic and healthcare institutions, representative of underserved communities nationwide, to address structural barriers to equitable care. Dr. Janae Kaudun, Vice President and Inaugural Chief Health Equity Officer for CVS Health, firstly speaks on the goals for the Alliance, particularly in addressing disparities in cardiovascular health, mental health, and women's health. It certainly is an honor to be the inaugural uh, Chief Health Equity Officer for CVS Health. And my role is really to look across the entire company, looking at our processes, our policies, and our programs, and really working to develop and implement strategies to help ensure that our members, our customers, our clients, the communities that we serve are served in the best way so that they can be healthy. And so we've really aligned our uh, enterprise health equity strategy around three core areas. One is really around empowering our over 300,000 colleagues that work for CBS Health. And this means making sure they have a robust understanding of the communities that we serve and how disparities may show up so that they can do something about it in their everyday work with the company. The second pillar is really around data and making sure that we understand with granularity how disparities across things like race, ethnicity, preferred language, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, disability status, how we're seeing potential disparities show up in those communities so that we can then do something about it. And then our third pillar is around those bold actions that address disparities. And we're particularly focused on heart health, mental health, and women's health and addressing disparities in those areas. I'm really excited about our recent launch of the CVS Health Community Equity Alliance. And through this alliance, we're bringing together healthcare and academic institutions across the country to really strengthen access to community health workers and to healthcare in underserved communities. And so the alliance is not only expanding access, but it's particularly focused on addressing heart health and mental health disparities, which are core aspects of our health equity strategy. So it's important through this alliance, we're really partnering with organizations that are important pillars and providers of services in underserved communities, really focusing on strengthening those healthcare and community uh, relationships, but also elevating and integrating the local voices, those people who are on the ground, integrating that into healthcare so that we can address disparities. It's important to know that for this alliance, each relationship and each partner, what they're doing in the community is slightly different. And that's because every community is different, their strengths are slightly different, and what they need is slightly different. So as part of our health equity strategy, we are actually standardizing and increasing how we collect health equity data across all of those demographic factors that I spoke about earlier. So we're seeking a better understanding of disparities within those groups, but also once we have that information 
information getting very granular so that we can make sure that those subpopulations aren't invisible when it comes to disparities and they're not they're not ignored. And so we're understanding the local needs, the local um, the local experiences of healthcare and what disparities may exist, and we're using that to inform how we show up in communities. So when it comes to the community equity alliance, we're actually learning from people with lived experience within communities, and that information is actually being shared back with us so we can actually inform how we're working with the members of our health plans, how we're working with our customers who are coming to our retail stores or our minute clinics. And so that local connection is really, really important when it comes to advancing health equity. We certainly will learn uh, as we go, but one of the goals is really to just create those meaningful collaborations and investments in communities that really align with our company vision for health equity. It's also important, and all of the uh, first three uh, partners in the Alliance are doing this, really supporting that pipeline of community health workers is a really key lever to connect communities to care, to build trust, and to address disparities. And then finally, it's about really understanding those local drivers of health disparities in heart health and mental health, particularly. The information that we learn from these partners will actually help inform how we roll out our health equity strategy and how we show up in communities. You know, I think that one of the things I've noticed is that people think that all disparities are, are because of social or non-clinical determinants of health. So things like access to a, a car, transportation, uh, a, a good job, healthy housing, those things are really, really important, but they are not sufficient for us to be able to advance health equity comprehensively. And there's one particular disparity that I like to talk about, and that's around maternal mortality. And the fact that a Black woman who has a bachelor's degree or higher is 1.6 times as likely to die from a pregnancy-related complication as a white woman who does not have a high school diploma. So that tells you right there, there's something else. You can give everyone a house, a car, and a, and a good job, but you will still actually see these disparities. And that is because of the bias and the discrimination that we see in our healthcare system, but also across other systems, including education, housing, et cetera. That's why we see disparities. And so if we're really going to advance health equity, we have to move beyond just talking about social determinants of health and really get at the, uh, the, the bias and the discrimination that exists in our healthcare system. Dr. Paul Alexander, Executive Vice President and the Chief Health Equity and Transformation Officer for RWJ Barnabas Health, next addresses continuity of care and communication challenges caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and how these lessons influence the population health management strategies his organization has designed to improve health equities. COVID-19 presented an opportunity for not just our health system, but the world. Um, and for clinicians, it was particularly challenging. Uh, you know, we, uh, during this pandemic, uh, you know, still face, uh, I, I would say the pandemic is still going on to some extent. We're still facing individuals who are fearful of being in the healthcare uh, environment. Uh, and, you know, employees felt stressed. Um, many of them decided to look at alternate careers. And the best way we could help out in, in the midst of the the height of the COVID-19 pandemic was to address food and address uh, transition from hospital to home. It, it was really important. We focused on the decompression of our hospital beds and the emergency room. 
as well as uh, address the issues of uh, medication access and food to our patients that were being uh, delivered services in their home. So again, we uh, really identified the organizations in the community that we could partner with. Uh, we um, delivered meals. Uh, we coordinated transportation for individuals to their homes. We did follow-up visits in the homes post-acute uh, discharge from hospital and uh, try to maintain a communication with our case managers in the hospital and our community health workers uh, who are in the neighborhoods uh, where our patients live to um, maintain uh, co continuity, to maintain communication. The COVID-19 really illustrated uh, what disparities exist amongst populations living with uh, insecurities. Uh, social insecurities. Again, um, it made us think out of the box in terms of how we would deliver those services that were in need. And the partnerships with the external organizations, the community-based organizations was imperative. You know, partnering with pharmacy and the delivery of medication was also critical, as well as um, food. Um, you know, we believe that Food is medicine, and I think it's highly unlikely for um, patients to take medications if they don't have food. So, again, focusing on what we could do in the midst of the pandemic uh, and utilizing the resources that we had available was uh, the way in which uh, uh, we designed and implemented our strategies. A considerate amount of attention has to be paid to uh, social determinants of health, with the understanding that one size does not fit all. Uh, you know, when you're talking about patient populations, you're looking at diverse groups um, and uh, diversity in ethnicity, diversity in individuals who are dealing with uh, behavioral disorders. And uh, in order to be effective and assist these patients, we have to take into consideration the varieties that um, might occur that impact, again, our ability to address uh, health disparities. We um, utilize a survey uh, for our social determinants of health, where we gather information on our patient populations. We look at uh, indicators such as EDs or emergency department visits. Uh, we look at hospitalizations that are extended, we look at readmissions. And we, we try to uh, stratify populations that we see as being um, most challenged and address their concerns and needs. Creating population health management strategies uh, is definitely going to take uh, a concerted effort in understanding the variety of populations that we serve, as well as uh, understanding how, as a health system, we can integrate uh, in the various communities to really um, engage, to uh, address the fears that I find some vulnerable populations have with respect to the healthcare system. They don't trust. They, um, you know, feel that uh, they won't get the type of care they need. So by using case managers who can develop relationships with uh, these individuals and really um, perform the outreach that's necessary 
to um, improve outcomes, I think that's a key factor. And I do want to stress, uh, you know, it's really significant that um, we're mindful of the populations in terms of one size not fitting all. Uh, you have to develop initiatives that make sense for specific populations. And um, ultimately, we can, uh, you know, get everybody engaged. And uh, regardless of faith, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of disabilities, um, and, 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 you know, get them engaged in really working with us, the health system, to improve their care. I do think uh, as we look at uh, disparities uh, and, and the challenges that individuals are living with in the communities, I, I do take a focus on what are we, uh, in terms of our clinical management, doing to address uh, and give attention to uh, internal factors that might um, prevent optimal outcomes. So as a health system, we've created a Ending Racism Together program, which involves the teaching of, you know, well, one, teaching the uh, issues that are um, occurring in uh, disadvantaged populations or underserved populations. Uh, we also have created modules to educate our providers on uh, their biases, implicit biases that they might not be aware of um, that may interfere with um, the development of trust of the patients with the system and, and, and their uh, physicians, uh, as well as uh, interfere with developing a uh, treatment plan that makes sense for uh, that particular um, patient. The, um, you know, when you go to medical school as a physician, you know, we're, you, you don't feel as though you're practicing um, healthcare in a biased way. I don't think many would admit to doing that. But um, there's sometimes uh, biases that we're unaware of that, um, you know, could interfere with optimal health outcomes. So our goal is to look internally as well as, you know, what can we do to improve the educational programs for our providers, as well as uh, looking at more closely those social determinants that interfere with the health outcomes and having that information as part of the medical chart so that everyone who's engaging this patient will have access to the same information. Appointed in 2017 as Vice Chair for DEI at Mount Sinai's Department of Medicine in New York, Dr. Kirk Campbell, who also serves as Director of the Nephrology Fellowship Program at Mount Sinai, lastly discusses his organization's efforts to improve health equity in three key areas, the workforce, education, and clinical outcomes. Right, so I became the Vice Chair for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Mount Sinai in January 2017, and we really um, have tried to focus on three pillars uh, in our initiatives. Uh, you know, one is uh, the workforce, another is education, another is uh, health equity and clinical outcomes. So from a workforce standpoint, uh, we're mindful that um, we have a, a clear responsibility, um, you know, to support our faculty or residents, fellows in training or medical students rotating on our services. 
as well as a lot of the non-clinical staff, right, uh, that, that work uh, uh, side by side uh, with us in the department. So we take a metrics data-driven approach to all our work, uh, tracking demographics for our faculty and host staff, comparing those uh, to national uh, standards as well as local community representation from a demographic standpoint. Um, we take a very close uh, lens to, to climate and wellness surveys. Uh, we've overseen a number of facilitated discussions just um, to get a better sense of uh, the day-to-day experiences uh, of the folks working right uh, in the clinical and educational research settings and creating you know dashboards for appointments promotions tenure for a faculty something that we're uh, very uh, mindful of uh, and we're very proud of uh, a mentorship sponsorship structure right that we have for our uh, trainees uh, just to really enable them to get the most uh, out of uh, residency and fellowship training here at mount sinai um, and that's that's been very well uh, received and we also have supported uh, in the department a number of um, unconscious bias and undoing racism workshop training sessions that, that again, have been well-received and we're in the process of assessing how effective those trainings are. That's a very uh, hot topic uh, nationally uh, uh, right now. Uh, and we're also expanding a number of uh, initiatives to track uh, clinical outcomes, right? Uh, to make sure that we're not leaving any patients behind uh, related to their uh, demographic uh, 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 basis and characteristics and their socioeconomic status, health literacy. Uh, and so we're um, working closely with the hospital system to ensure uh, that we have optimal clinical outcomes uh, for, for all, all our patients. So I served uh, for seven years as a nephrology fellowship uh, director and uh, nephrology is, of course, I'm biased, but I think it's uh, an extremely fascinating specialty. Uh, it, on the one hand, it's very diverse. Uh, we have a very high percentage of international medical school graduates uh, practicing on nephrology uh, in the U.S. And at the same time, it's traditionally had uh, lower numbers, right, of, of women and, and folks from underrepresented groups uh, among our trainee and, and um, faculty and attending uh, workforce. So uh, there are you know, a lot of uh, things uh, that and initiatives that, that have been um, expanded uh, over the years to ensure that the workforce reflects the patient population that we serve because um, patients who are uh, Black, Latino, Native American, and those from low socioeconomic uh, uh, backgrounds uh, disproportionately are affected by kidney disease, and they're more likely to require dialysis when they do develop kidney disease. And uh, there are tremendous disparities with access to kidney transplants and home dialysis. Um, so it's really provided me um, with a great perspective um, to tackle a lot of the workforce and clinical uh, challenges and ensuring, uh, again, that uh, there's representation and support uh, on the workforce and, and uh, provider um, and patient ends. It's very important uh, to have um, you know, metrics that will guide any initiative that you begin and you have to track progress in a logical manner over time. I think um, as it specifically pertains to health equity, we realized several years ago that we didn't have very good demographic data, for example, right? Um, and you know, it's of course uh, very difficult uh, to uh, determine whether or not you're providing uh, equal access to care and um, you know um, similar uh, outcomes, uh, which is highly desirable on the clinical side uh, for all our patients if you don't have great demographic data to begin with. So uh, a very um, exhaustive process was undertaken 
really during um, 2020, um, you know, to ramp up uh, that data collection um, uh, from a, a patient standpoint. Um, and with the dashboard that's also available now uh, for incorporating the social determinants of health, uh, um, you know, identifying patients who may have housing uh, instability or food insecurity or transportation concerns, very, very important, right, uh, for optimal uh, care delivery, uh, and also identifying uh, care gaps, right, uh, in, in preventive uh, medicine, right, uh, are patients getting their routine uh, screenings, right, um, um, vaccinations and colonoscopies, and are patients with diabetes getting their eye exams and uh, foot exams uh, and so on. Uh, so now these are part of the, the dashboard, right? Uh, whenever our patient's chart's open, we can uh, see uh, if patients are are really um, meeting those uh, crucially important uh, quality metrics. Uh, and so it really starts again, gathering great data, tracking that data um, exhaustively and updating it constantly and optimizing uh, those uh, features uh, that you um, can so effectively use to deliver great care. this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.